Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 244 and session number 73 of Ask Scott. This is where you ask your questions. I do my best to answer them, and everyone gets to listen in. I love doing these. You guys know that. Sitting here again with a nice cup of coffee. And uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're having a cup of coffee, talking, or maybe you drink tea, I don't know, or or maybe whatever beverage you want to have. But uh, yeah, we're just hanging out and uh, we're just uh, talking about business stuff. And uh, that's what I love about the Ask Scott sessions because it is you asking questions and me doing my best to answer them. And it really does allow us to connect at another level and other people get to benefit because of these as well. So that's always pretty cool, right? So I wanted to remind you also about the show notes. If you guys are new, you might not know, but we do have transcripts to these episodes. Uh, We also have uh, the show notes as far as like the links that we mentioned. Anything that uh, we'll be referencing to will be in the show notes and the transcripts. So if you wanted to get uh, those or have access to those, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 244 and uh, you can grab them, all right? One other thing, actually there's two other things I wanted to bring up real quick. First off, uh, I get a lot of people that ask me questions about different resources that I use or that other sellers are using. So I did put together a page. It's been on the blog for quite a while and I, and I update it pretty regularly. So like when things change or I find a new one, I'll put them there. Um, you can always find them by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash resources and you can find them all there. A little disclaimer, there are some links, not all of them, that do have affiliate links in there, which means that you will buy me a cup of coffee if you go through that link, but generally you get it for the same price and you usually get a discount or a bonus uh, by going through my link and I always appreciate it. I've had people actually say, Scott, I went digging around to see if you were an affiliate for something because I wanted to give you something back for doing the podcast and I really wanted to just say thank you to everyone out there who has uh, purchased through those links and have uh, purchased me a cup of coffee because you guys are awesome and you guys all know I love my coffee, right? Um, One last thing is just some random thoughts. Uh, again, I think Ask Scott Sessions is, is a good place for this. I might do these a little bit more often. I have been doing these on Snapchat and Periscope, but Snapchat really is just kind of like those random thoughts. Uh, but uh, really, the one thing I wanted to share with you right now, because it's kind of like front of mind for me, because I'm actually going through this, is how important a schedule is and planning is to get stuff done. Remember this one thing, we all have the same amount of hours in a day, all right? Understand that. There's, you have no more than I do, I have no more than you do, you know, it's like we we have the same amount, we have 24 hours in a day, right? It's just, how do we break up those hours? Well, Scott, I work nine to five, okay, (laughs) well, I work nine to five doing my other stuff, right? Or I've got other things that are taking up that nine to five window. So we still have the same amount of time. Now I was there once where I did have nine to five. Actually, I had about seven, well, about six 30 in the morning, six o'clock sometimes till six, seven o'clock at night. And plus I then built a house on the side. I did side work on the side to bring in extra money. So anyone that wants to tell me they don't have time, you're not going to tell me that you don't have enough time because everyone has time. We just have to figure out a way to go and use that time more productively. So you have to really schedule and plan. It's so, so important. I'll give you another example. Maybe you want to start going to the gym, as I do, and I did. Um, and, you know, some of you may or may not know my story, but I, you know, I used to be, I'm talking a couple of years ago, like really, really, really into fitness, like 
almost like too much. Um, and then I kind of fell off the wagon again. And then now I'm getting back into it. So this past month, uh, almost a month and a half now, I've been dialed in, but I put it in my schedule. So every day at 6.30, between 6.30 and 7 o'clock, I'm in the gym, period, right? If I tweak my neck, which I just did, uh, I'm still going to the gym. So I might just go to the treadmill that day. I might not do any weights, right? So there's... Once you put it into a schedule, it's like a job. You have to show up, okay? So if you have things in place for building a business, put them into a plan and then execute them into your schedule. I can't stress this enough. So many people, they, they're, well, once I get time, once I get time, I hear that all the time. And I've said that myself. Once I get time, I'm gonna go ahead and start doing this thing. Or once I get enough money saved, I'm gonna go ahead and start this thing, right? You can still start with very little money. We've done uh, you know, episodes in the past where we talk about retail ARB or just doing thrifting or whatever with 100 bucks or less than 100 bucks. You can start with whatever you have in your house and liquidate, you know, like, or not liquidate, but uh, you know, take stuff that's laying around your house that you don't think is valuable but could sell to bring in money, right? So to me, there's, there's really no excuses other than it's procrastination. And I think we all, uh, you know, we all fall into that trap. So that's my little rant or my little thought that I wanted to share with you because I've been talking a lot about that on Snapchat. Um, if you guys are not following me on Snapchat, you can do so by heading over to Snapchat and searching for at Scott Volker one, you'll find me. And uh, again, just random stuff there. It's sometimes me working out. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, what I'm working on, uh, as far as with the Amazon stuff, or maybe it's me doing a podcast, or maybe it's me just hanging out with the kids. Or the other day, my son was taking pictures of his sneakers, which, you know, for those of you that don't know, like sneakerheads, like right now is big thing, major thing, like, uh, it's just crazy. But but uh, that's a whole nother conversation. But anyway, just want to let you guys know that's my random thoughts right now. Schedule and planning does work. Do it. All right. So guys, I think I rambled enough there in the beginning, but I did want to give you those thoughts. Let's go ahead and listen to today's first question and I will give you my answer. What do you say? Hey, Scott, uh, Zach Snyder from Bellingham, Washington. Um, my question is about pay-per-click. Uh, I'd like to know when you launch a new product, do you wait for reviews or do you immediately turn on pay-per-click? Uh, if you do wait for reviews, how many reviews do you generally try to wait for? Uh, thanks, Scott. Hey, Zach, thanks so much for the question, and this is a good question. I've answered it before. I'm going to answer it again. Um, you know, I've changed my feelings a little bit on this, uh, but it pretty much... It's pretty much the same for me because it kind of it kind of works hand in hand. When you're going through like a promo or a giveaway, and it's going to depend on the competition, to be honest with you, right? If we have really high competition and we have a lot of reviews that we're going up against, like let's say that we're going, you know, we're looking at a product that has over 300 reviews, and now you're you're competing with that particular listing or listings. Uh, and you have a product that has zero reviews, It's to me, it's going to be hard to get sales when you're competing against that until you have a good set base of reviews. Now, that doesn't mean you can't turn on the pay-per-click to start getting the data. A lot of people think that they're going to turn on pay-per-click just to start getting sales. That's not necessarily the only reason why I turn it on. I turn it on also to see what Amazon is going to put in front of uh, you know, the people that are looking for my products. So that's going to be like intelligence, right? So I'm paying for that. So many people up front don't want to spend the money because they want sales immediately. And I get that. I understand it, but it's not necessarily the right mindset. So here's kind of like my new kind of way of doing things. And again, it does depend on the competition, but what I'll usually do is I'll start running the promotion 
and to go ahead and do a giveaway, right? Or, you know, a dollar giveaway or $2 giveaway, whatever you're going to do. And once that's in motion and I start to do the giveaway, then I'll turn on the uh, the pay-per-click, even if I don't have any reviews yet, because I know that they'll be coming in soon. But then this way here, I can start getting the data uh, right up front. So I don't have to wait to get the data. And then once I get the reviews coming in, then I can go ahead and maybe dial up the pay-per-click. But for me in the beginning, I just really want to know like what I'm being indexed for and you know, without any sales. And I also want to know, you know, like what the impressions are getting for certain keywords. And I can kind of get an idea of what maybe I'm missing and then what also I might want to be targeting. Um, so I would say in the beginning, even with a small budget, even if you just wanted to use like $20 and do an auto campaign, um, that might be a good thing to do just to get the data. Uh, But don't expect to get sales. Now, if you do get sales out of the gate with running pay-per-click with like zero reviews or, you know, two reviews or something like that, that's a good sign. That means that you don't necessarily need a lot of reviews to get sales, right? Uh, My good buddy, Rich Kibble, uh, who was one of our early adopters in our class, he actually does this, Uh, you know, he says, you know what, I always start my uh, my products with pay-per-click like on day one, even if I don't have any reviews, because if I can get one sale, just one sale on day one by running pay-per-click, I know I've got a pretty good product that I'm going to be able to sell. So that's one like little way of him seeing if he's got a product that can sell without a lot of reviews. The other thing is when you're doing your product research, you're going to kind of know this, right? Like if you're looking, if you're using that as one of your filters, like, okay, I want to find items that are selling 10 units a day, but they only have like 25 reviews. Well, you know, that's a, that's an indicator that it's not driven by reviews. So hopefully this answered your question. Uh, but that's what I would do. And again, I think people listening right now, like pay-per-click for me in the beginning is all about intelligence. It's about figuring out what Amazon is, is seeing, you know, in, in my listing and what I might be missing. And then also it's going to give me some data is like, you know, data points as far as like how many impressions certain keywords are getting that I might not even have thought of. And then I might be like, whoa, I might want to go ahead and look further into this as a root keyword and then start doing like, you know, more long tail. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, listen to another question and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott, this is Diego from Ecuador. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank you for all the great content you post uh, every day. Well, every week, actually. Uh, it has helped me a lot with my FBA journey. And uh, my question is uh, regarding the keyword ranking. Uh, I'm trying to rank for a long tail keyword. For example, let's say a stainless, a stainless steel garlic press. If I rank for this keyword, I will also rank for garlic press or just stainless steel garlic press? Well, thank you very much. Have a great day. Hey, what's up, Diego from Ecuador? Wow, that is awesome. Uh, You guys know uh, I get pretty pumped up about having people, you know, being able to connect with people all over the world. Like, it's just incredible. Um, So anyway, thank you so much for the question. And uh, it's a good question. And here's the deal. And this is what I think a lot of people don't realize but if you're trying to rank for one keyword like a very very specific keyword okay let's say garlic press you're going to still rank for garlic press if you go after long handle garlic press because it's in that word okay or it's in that phrase in a sense so i don't think it's a bad idea to understand that 
you know, or to try to go after long tail because here's the deal. Like we all want to rank for that, that really, really popular keyword, right? If we only focus on that one keyword, we're losing a lot or relieving a lot of traffic on the table because it all comes down to really the long tail. And I think if you were to look at the numbers, not always, but if you were to look at the numbers at all of your traffic coming in from different keywords, like all the ones that you're indexed for, and then possibly what the sales are coming through, which is going to be hard to see, but I can almost... I can't say guarantee, but I can almost guarantee that the long tail eventually, okay, will start to bring in steady sales. And when once you have, you know, thousands of keywords that you're ranking for, now all of a sudden you have all of these random ones that might only bring in one or two sales every day or every other day. But if you have 500 of these that are converting keywords, do the math, right? I mean, so... A lot of times, people only focus on the one, and I think it's a good idea to look at the long tail. What are the long tails that people are searching for that you could then search for, and then you're still going to rank for the the words that are in between because we know that, or we're pretty sure that Amazon picks words uh, from you know, certain phrases, they don't necessarily, it doesn't have to be in that order. Uh, so, you know, you can rank for, if we did uh, long handle stainless steel garlic press, we're still going to rank for long and then uh, garlic press, right? We'll still have a chance to rank for that. So uh, I wouldn't focus on just the one main. Uh, and then the other thing is the other way that you can kind of discover this stuff is when you run that auto campaign, okay, in pay-per-click, you're going to also see that they they positioned a keyword for a search because if you're doing it like, you know, we're, we're kind of like in the discovery phase, we're going to actually see what they typed in. So if we see that they typed in long handle stainless steel garlic press and that's the one that we got the sales from, well then yes, we might want to move that into a phrase match campaign eventually, okay? And we've talked about this before. But right now for this discussion about this, I would say, yes, go after long tail because the long tail will still help you get ranked for that keyword. Another example of this, you know, a lot of people have talked about super URLs. I've talked about them before. You know, what that means is basically where you go and you, uh, you know, you search for your product, you find it, you copy that web URL, and then you, you share that with people and then they use that link. And then it appears as though people searched for that. Um, I don't believe that that's a great strategy anymore, I think, because Amazon's going to get wise to that. We could be penalized. And I think that there's other ways that you can do this. Using pay-per-click is, is number one to me. But the other way is if you did have someone do a physical search and you put your brand name in first, so let's say that it's Kitchens Are Us, and then you did uh, stainless steel garlic press, and you said, hey... Go to Amazon, search for this phrase, and it's going to have your brand name and stainless steel garlic press in it, and then they go and they find your listing. It's going to be easier to find your listing, by the way, too, because you're the only one with that brand name. Now, they're going to go through the buying process, so it's it's acting as though they searched for your keyword, and then they went ahead and they found it, and now they clicked on it, so it's a regular search. It's like you almost saying, or looking over their shoulder saying, okay, here is what uh, you need to do. Type in this. Go find the listing, click on it, go through and purchase. So it's it's a natural way of doing it. And even though your brand name is in there, you're you still have your keyword in that in that phrase. So hopefully that makes sense. No, it was a little bit long winded, but um, I just wanted to uh, to elaborate on that a little bit. All right, let's go ahead and listen to another question, and I'll give you my answer. 
Hey Scott, this is Dave. I just found your podcast and love it. There are a lot of people out there teaching this stuff, but most seem to only be doing it to get you to buy one of their products, whereas you seem to actually care and want to see people succeed in doing this. My question is, I heard you can only create one store on Amazon. Is that true? I understand it's a good idea to have all your items that you sell in one category so you can get cross-sells from different products in your store, but I see different opportunities in different categories, and I don't want to be pigeonholed into one category. If you can have one store... Would it be a good idea to have a generic store name? So, for example, instead of the store name being Scott's Sporting Goods, it would be Scott's Quality Goods or something like that so you aren't restricted to only selling sporting goods. Thanks for your help and keep up the great work. Hey, Dave, thank you so much for the question and the kind words. I really appreciate it, and I'm so glad that you are getting value from the podcast, which all of you know is totally free. I do want to you know, be transparent here with you guys. You know, when I first started the podcast, I didn't have, uh, you know, any plan as far as like, you know, creating a course or a class or anything like that. It just kind of happened. So I do have a class. Uh, I don't really publicly talk about it here on the podcast because I figure, you know what, when the time's right, you'll find it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to be clear on that, uh, that I do offer all this free information for you because I want you to succeed. And I have a lot of people, a lot of people that email me that listen to just the podcast and have launched successful products and are building a business through it. I also have people that are in the class, uh, that are doing well, uh, too. So just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Uh, okay. So here is the, uh, or I guess my feedback, um, on this question. Okay. And really to understand this fully, and this is what I think that you're saying is what if I want to do multiple brands? Okay. Do I have to do multiple sellers accounts? And the answer is no, you don't have to, you can, but you don't have to the way to do it. So you can have uh, different brands underneath your one main sellers account is to do just that. You when you when you go into the fields of uh, of of saying what brand it is, you're just going to title that as the brand that you want that to be under. So if you want a brand that that only sells uh, home goods, well, then you're going to have one that's related to home goods. Now your main sellers account is going to be that main brand, like you said. It's kind of like you know top quality products, like. Um, you know, warehouse or something like that, right? And then you're going to have a brand off of that that's going to be in gardening. You'll have another one that's going to be in home goods. You'll have another one that's going to be in uh, sporting goods. You'll have another one that's going to, you know, so if you want to do that, that's totally fine. The only, the only little bit of, I guess, uh, uh, a little bit of an obstacle there, not really an obstacle, but I guess a little bit of an issue it can be is if you are building separate brands that you want to, uh, you know, basically have as their own entity, like their own LLC, then you might want to separate them and put them on their own seller's accounts um, because that could get a little messy. All right. And I've heard mixed, you know, mixed thoughts on this. Some people say that that's all they do is they, they will just set up a new seller's account. The problem with that is you have to go through Amazon and you have to explain why you want to do a separate seller's account also for managing uh, purposes. So if you're just starting, I would say, yes, do the more generic brand that you can release maybe different brands underneath that, that'd be a good starting point. But if you see a brand really taking off and you wanted to then go ahead and create its own seller's account, then maybe you can do it at that time. The other thing is too, is once you have a seller's account that starts getting sales and history, that 
seller's account is going to start building some authority and we don't know for sure, but we, we think that, you know, once you start building up your feedback score and you start having, or, you know, a, a history with Amazon, when you launch future products, it's going to, they're going to, they're going to take that into consideration when ranking you. Okay. Now we don't know that for sure. It's a little bit of a hunch, but it kind of goes back to the, the old days when you're ranking a website and your website is five months old or five years old. Uh, you know, which one are they going to look at differently inside of Google? It's the same thing kind of with Amazon because Amazon is going to look at, are you a trusted seller? Have you had, you know, a bunch of sales that you can prove yourself and do they give you more weight now as far as ranking goes? So that would be my other thing to think about as well. So hopefully this answered your question. Uh, good luck to you and thank you so much again for listening. So let's go ahead and listen to one last question and then we will wrap this up after I give you my thoughts, of course. So let's go ahead and listen. Hi, Scott. Uh, my name is Matt. Um, I was watching your uh, competition podcast on YouTube. Um, great content. Um, I love the videos. I've seen you as a guest on Jungle Scout as well. Um, on your podcast, a listener asked you a question about how many resellers make a product too competitive. And your answer, in your first product, they were about five or so resellers of almost the exact same product. And to differentiate yourself, you bundled the product, you did some pricing strategy. My question is the product that I'm considering has about three pages of resellers, all selling the exact or similar product. Now, the differentiator is there's only one reseller selling a different color of this product. And I use the resource camelcamelcamel.com to track sales rank and price. And I've seen and I've used the sales estimator on Jungle Scout that based on this individual's sales rank, he or she is pushing about 5,000 units a month for this alternative color. They're the only reseller doing this color. So I was thinking if I bundle the, pro the product also do this alternative color, even though there's three pages of resellers uh, selling the one color, if I do this alternative color, it'll separate me, and I could get a piece of those 5,000 units a month. I'm not sure if you would recommend this or if you would say, and I'm a first-time uh, private label seller, if you recommend going for another product that's even less competitive or if you think this is a smart strategy because you know I've seen some of the numbers and it seems to make sense, but I'm not quite sure. Um, so I appreciate it. Um, great content. Uh, keep it up and uh, appreciate it again. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for the question. And uh, yes, this is a great question and it is definitely a concern uh, if, uh, if you're going after products that are three, four pages deep of the exact same product or you go to Alibaba and you see the exact same thing and all people are doing is just putting their their brand, their logo on it. Um, to be honest with you guys, I've done that, okay? I did that in the beginning uh, and that product still sells today even with all of the competition because I kind of got in early, but it's definitely not what it was. I was charging more in the beginning, now I'm not. Uh, you know, I had more sales than I do than I do now. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely a problem with that. Okay, but it's a way for you to definitely tap into you know a stream of traffic and buyers because we know that there's there's depth and demand, right? So that's the good thing. The bad thing is 
is it's so easy for someone else to just do the same exact thing. So the thing you have to ask yourself is, how easy is it for someone else to do exactly what I'm going to do right now to launch this product? And if it's going to be easy, then I would probably stay away. Okay, because you're you're just going to get in, maybe get some sales, but then you're, you're going to have more people come in. Now, instead of it being three pages deep, it's going to be six pages deep, and then it's going to be 12 pages deep. So a lot of people ask me, like, Scott, is Amazon getting oversaturated? Yes, with people just get taking products and slapping a logo on them. Yes, it is. It is. That is getting, it's getting harder, and it's because everyone's looking for the easy way, Okay. So for you to look at the numbers and see that there's a special color that is selling, that's good, but my other concern with, well, if it's just a color, well, couldn't someone else just make that thing the same exact color? Now now we have the same problem. Now we have three pages deep of that same color. So how else can we differentiate? How else can we make it so they can't just make it a different color or they can't just add one little piece to it, right? Because in in this, you know, I, I guess in this case, people are seeing that these are selling, right? People are, are, are aware of this. So the only way that you're going to be able to survive and really have long-term growth is by differentiating in a way that is not that easy for someone else to do it. That could be creating a new mold. That could be adding an accessory that's really hard to find. So if you're going to find an accessory, don't just go on Alibaba and, and, and immediately be able to find that because that means someone else can do the same exact thing. I'd also look through all of the reviews of the top uh, of the top sellers and I would see what people are complaining about. If I can fix that, I would fix that. And then the other thing, this is one that a lot of people don't talk about. The other thing I would do is say, can I sell this thing outside of Amazon, right? If this thing is this popular on Amazon, it's probably popular on a Google search, right? Or a Yahoo search or a Bing search or whatever search, right? Or there's people on Facebook that would be interested in this product. Can I build a product line around this product? So that would be my next thing. Because if that's the case, then I would be a little bit, uh, I guess, less skeptical is if I get in there and if people start to uh, come in and, and try to compete with me on certain things that I've done. But if I can take that thing and move it off of Amazon down the road, down the road, guys, not right now, then that might be also a thing that I can say, okay, I see growth for this thing. Then the other thing I would say is, are there other products that are going to support this product? So if I get in with this product, can I then also have another product that that complements it or that my same customer would want to buy? Um, So those are all the things that I would think about. But just to let anyone know, if you're in the product research phase and you go and you see that, oh my gosh, there's like all of these pages of people selling this thing and, you know, three pages deep, they're still selling 10 units a day, some of them, right? That's That's great. But then you go over to Alibaba or AliExpress and you find that exact same, sometimes the same picture and everything, that's a red flag. That's, no, I would not do that uh, because then it just means that someone else is going to do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day. You have to find a way to differentiate. And in this case, you're saying it's a color, which is great, but how easy is, is it for someone else to get that same color that's, that's selling really well? Um, so hopefully this helped you or anyone else for that matter that is in that product research stage, do not fall uh, you know, in this trap of you see that the sales are there, that's great, but now all of a sudden you have a bunch, other, a bunch of other people coming and doing the same exact thing. So I can't stress it enough. We have to be different now. We, we can't just slap a logo on there. And we also have to think further down the, lo- down the line. 
can I sell this outside of Amazon on my own website, through Facebook ads, uh, through my own sales funnel? Can I also have other supporting products that will support this product and then also have that same customer buy the uh, the products in the future or my, my products in the future around this brand? Um, you know, and there's a, there's other things you can think about. Is there content that you can create around this product to educate people? That's another factor that I would say that's a good, that's a good thing moving forward. So there's a lot of different things, um, that we could do, but hopefully this has answered your question and gave you a little bit more perspective and then anyone else, hopefully this has uh, helped you. That's in the product research stage. Um, if you are in the product research stage too, definitely check out episode 161, the amazing seller.com forward slash 161. And that will uh, give you a good overview of Greg Mercer and myself kind of going through uh, product research and uh, and kind of really diving into depth and demand and and, and all that stuff. So, uh, so that's it, guys. That's pretty much going to wrap up this episode. I did want to remind you about the show notes and the transcripts. You can find them by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 244. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash 244. And then lastly, I would also say, hey, if you want to ask a question, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. Be patient, please, because I do have a bunch in the queue, but uh, I will try to get to each and every one of them through the upcoming weeks and months. All right, so uh, that's it, guys. That is going to wrap it up. Remember, I'm here for you, I believe in you, and I am rooting for you, but you have to, you have to, come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud with some energy, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. Now go get them.